Um, so you can turn in your Bibles over to the book of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 3 uh, this week. And our goal in this series, um, and the series is titled The Life, this is actually You Are Built to Live. Uh, the life you are built to live, okay? And God built every one of us in here. Amen. He knew us more intimately than anyone ever can know us. He put us together, and when He created us in Ephesians 1, it's, it's one of the neatest things is He created us according to His pleasure, that right there, we can go home just reading that, all right? To know that God, when he built Daniel Witt, he was like, this, this gave, him, or gave him pleasure. Well, oftentimes, we don't think that, and we certainly live in a world that doesn't, doesn't teach that. We certainly don't. We live in a world that breaks down, and we follow a God who builds up, right? I mean, that's so important um, and, and, and so as we're, as we're studying the book of Ephesians, we want to keep in mind this is such an amazing book because Paul explains that as God built us, he built us to live in a certain way. And when we don't live that way, we, we don't run on all cylinders, so to speak, okay? We've all talked about that. Like if you fill your car with something that's not supposed to be in the tank, the car will not run very well, okay? All right, and, and we've, uh, Olivia is so tired of it. I'm not kidding you. I, I was using that illustration long before Olivia tried to fill her car up with diesel. I'm just saying, okay? It's just she's, she has woven herself into the fabric of every sermon I teach right there. But we know as we read the book of Ephesians that, man, when we're filling ourselves with the world, it's like, man, we're, we're clunky and we're weighted down and we're not efficient and we aren't happy and we aren't just, we're not joyful, all right? And so as he writes the book of Ephesians, he's teaching us, hey, he, he, essentially, guys, um, you were built, we were built, God built us a certain way to run off certain things, okay, in a certain way of what God tells us um, to live like. And as we're going through each chapter, hopefully you're learning to tell the story of Ephesians. Okay, that's vitally important. Sometimes we, we, we almost become discouraged with the Bible because we think, man, if I don't memorize the entire chapter, if I don't know like some exact verse, but it's easier to tell a story. All right, and it's interesting is that's oftentimes how the Bible was even passed along. The Bible's written in so many ways through poetry and story um, because you remember a story. And, and in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 so far, Paul does something um, that's really interesting. Is um, Paul takes us from the knowledge of what it means to be a disciple and to be in Christ, and he translates it into an emotion, with his wording. And if we miss that emotion, we miss out on the richness of this book. If we miss out on his emotion that he's pouring into that. And in chapter one, he uses a term. He said, you want to know what we were? Uh, we were adopted by God. And if you haven't been adopted, that's not an emotional thing. But children who 
have been old enough to know that they were adopted, that they were in maybe a foster care, uh, living in a home somewhere, and they realized somebody came in and chose me. That is so rich to them. For us, oftentimes, we're like, oh, he adopted us. Okay, what's the big deal? Except to someone who's been adopted, that's everything. I mean, that digs deeply right into our heart right there. When we understand the, the way Paul is describing it, it should soften our heart. Not just that, you know, this, this kind of, um, you know, just a generic God came down and just generically chose people that he didn't really know and didn't really love, but he had this plan to go forward but he paints a picture of like this adoption agency and him going, I want Nick Jewell. That's who I want. I want to adopt him and not just to adopt him to like be around me, but adopt him and put my Holy Spirit inside of him to do everything he can't do, to understand the love he couldn't understand, to, to have strength he never could have. I mean, this is such an amazing gift. And that's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 1. And then Ephesians 2, he says, remember last week, you were dead and God made you alive. Amen. And again, this is something that's extremely emotional. If someone close to you has died recently, if death has been something that is a normal part of your life, this tugs at our heart. All right. Sometimes there's a side effect of living in such an industrial, like a first world country that really everybody is just, you go to the hospital and they make you better. And, you know, and we have all of this technology to keep you going all right, but if death is something that's been close to you and personal, you remember and there's something emotional about that and you think, wow, hold on a minute. You mean God took me from death and I've seen death and he made us alive? That's an um, it's emotional. That's not intellectual any longer, all right? There's not a, hey, can you explain to me like how that happened? Like, is there a theory, a theorem? Is there a mathematical equation? Like, what was this, the cell biology that happened? And he's like, no, 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 no. Listen, I want you to understand, dead and alive, Amen. okay? And it's that idea of just digging and bringing our hearts into this. And then he goes into chapter three and he starts he's been telling us a little bit about this mystery right this mystery and, and you're going whoa what is that mystery well to us it's kind of strange because it's not a mystery anymore okay in the first century he's going no I have this mystery and God revealed this mystery to me and essentially the mystery was I'm going to take two groups of people essentially I'm going to take the Jews and I'm going to take the Gentiles and you're going to be united in me and I'm going to build you into a temple Okay, for the Jews, they're going, God's going to build a temple with the Gentiles? <laughs> when did God kind of lose sight of things? Yeah. <laughs> what happened to God along the way here, okay? I mean, what are you thinking? There's no way a Gentile is going to be built together, okay? Essentially, he's taking, right, we, the Clemson Tigers. Could you imagine? He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the Clemson Tigers, I'm going to take the South Carolina Gamecocks, right? And we're going to come and make one, one, okay? You can't, some of y'all can't even look at that picture, okay? You guys are going, no, I will not look at two, uh-uh. Steve Spurrier has, you know, shaking hands with Dabo Sweeney. That is, right now you're struggling, all right? I just became a stumbling block for some of you guys, okay? And what's funny is in many ways, in our culture, we think, could you ever imagine... A ri two rivals coming together 
to be one team. Could you imagine what that logo would look like? The garnet and black Clemson paw. Can you imagine what that would look like, all right? Or like the orange and purple South Carolina logo. All right, you go, you're going, man, I can see it in your eyes right there. You're going, no, I'm about to walk out, okay? <laughs> like, like Jews and Gentiles are one thing, but Clemson Tigers and Gamecocks, that's something else, okay? <laughs> but God says, I'm going to reveal this mystery to you. And this mystery, and, 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 and the mystery is, is that, that we're going to bring the two groups together, and there's going to be this temple that's built, okay? And he spends really the first part of chapter 3 explaining this, and he's going to do it through the Spirit. He said that this group that he brings together is going to proclaim this mystery, not just to what's seen, all right? Like there's this building temple that's happening, and as there are more people added to it, the world sees it. But he says something interesting in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, also, that church that I'm making is meant to proclaim this mystery to the unseen. Yeah, amen. All right? Do you understand what that means? I don't either. Okay? And, and it doesn't even explain it, okay? I mean, there's no commentary to that. Don't, don't like, uh, well, what he means by that is this and this. I'm like, hey, it says that it's proclaiming this mystery to the heavenly realms. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but that's awesome. That, that right there should just, wow. Man, and, and he kind of ramps up the way he speaks, okay? And we're meant to, our hearts are meant to be activated to continue to just think, man, God is so awesome. And remember in chapter one, the, the major theme there really was God did this, so what? So why? What would we do? That we would praise his glory, all right? And that's, that's the opposite because I think sometimes we think, okay, God did all this stuff. Now let me go out and do some things. And it's really interesting. The Bible puts a greater premium on people who praise the glory of God. Because you can go out and your heart cannot be moved at all. Yeah. And you can go do things. And you can even be excited to be a part of a group that does things. And you never think at all about, you mean we're praising the glory of God. And that's what he's setting up in these chapters, in these first three chapters. And it's such an amazing story but it's got to sink from here, yeah. right? The, the longest, the largest distance between two points is the, between our head and our heart, all right? That's like, I got to get it from here to here. Yeah. All right, it's got to sink in, okay? And then we're going to pick up in Ephesians 3, verse 14 right here. This is what Paul says. He says, for this reason, this story I just told you, you can, go, you can go back and read that, okay? He said, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness 
of God. Again, I shared this a few weeks ago. This is just one of those verses that's no good on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just isn't. It's like, it's like a tic-tac. You know, you put a tic-tac in your mouth and it freshens your breath for like 30 seconds. All right? And if all we do is listen to somebody read that on Sunday morning and we think this is what's going to take me through the week. Right. No. This is meaty. I mean, this is a meal right here. This requires all of us sitting in here to say, man, I'm going to take this with me this week because it's going to take some time to digest, to ingest. But what's really amazing is, is he's, he's praying that we would be filled. He spends the first three chapters talking about this amazing story of Jesus and his redemption and reconciliation, and he's building this church full of imperfect people. All right, and he's doing all this, and then Paul at the end, right there, says, here's what I pray for you. That's interesting. I, when I look back on this, I, this actually changed my prayer life because I thought, I don't pray like this. Like, I pray for things that are going to make me more comfortable. Like, I pray for people, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but I'm just saying I spend a lot of time praying for people's circumstances to change yeah. instead of for people's hearts to change. All right? Like, I've bought into the world, which is if everyone's happy and comfortable here in the world, then the church will be really great. But what I learned from this is that God actually is like the opposite of that. He's like, your circumstances aren't going to be good at all down there in the world. Like, of course, in the first, people are going to kill you. And they're going to be offended by this message and this ministry. And it's not going to go, okay, and you want to know what? Diseases do happen and people do die and bad things do happen to good people. And all of that thing is tragic and God comforts us. But it does seem like Paul and Peter and the apostles and these guys, particularly as they pray to God, that they understand just changing circumstances doesn't change the heart. In fact, I wonder, even as I read, if God would be, uh, in fact, I know the answer to this, God would be much more pleased if our circumstances stayed exactly the same, but we loved him more in those circumstances. And that's what we're reading about here. And I wonder if if we've got to, like, adjust our thoughts. But he's saying, here's what you need to do is you need to be filled. And he uses words like established and rooted deeply. He uses these, like, very rich words, okay? I love this, um, the need of our day today. This is, this is just kind of a summary. The need of our day is that a spirit-led people who are filled, rooted, and able to grasp the magnificent love of God, which surpasses all knowledge. That's what he's saying in those last three or four verses, is that what the world needs now isn't more talented people. And that's a hard message here, right? That's a hard message because right here, you know, most of the campus students are gone, but this is a room of talented people. This is a room, if, if we weren't Christians, we would live successful lives because we would have the ability and we have the knowledge and the intellect to go and pursue that, all right? And it's challenging because Paul is saying, this in summary what the world needs is deeper people not more talented Amen. okay the world doesn't need more superficiality Amen. the world doesn't need empty 
All right? Empty is when, man, I have nothing to say. Like there's no thought in my head. Like I'm just empty. Like somebody can ask you about Jesus or ask, and you're like, hmm, I don't know. Um, that's empty. Like I have nothing here, okay? Like nothing has filled me. He's saying, no, the, the church that God is building is, he's praying that God fills us Amen. deeply rooted, right? And this is the need. This is the need for me and you today. This is what sometimes goes by the wayside though, huh? I'm just saying, I mean, I'm just, this is like my quiet time right here, okay? I'm, I'm revealing this, but I think that there's some of us in here and you're going, yeah, I, this can go by the wayside. When we're talking about, when we're talking about the need to be deeper, more spiritual, filled, we forget that Jesus taught, blessed are the poor in spirit, okay? So when Paul is praying that we would be filled it's hard to fill something that's full of other things. Yeah. It's hard to do that. If, if you fill a cup with rocks, you can't really put a ton of water in that cup mm-hmm. or anything, any, anything you think of. And, I, and, and this is what happens almost like, do you ever notice this happening imperceptibly? Like we slowly become filled with more and more of the world okay i remember as a young christian it was easy to find out because it's like all of these like blatant like worldly sins and you're like oh wow this is i need to get rid of this but there's like this little trickle effect where we slowly start we start filling ourselves up with worldly things and it can be it can be something as superficial as like entertainment i mean we can get wrapped around the axle. So there was a movie, um, I guess a year or two ago, Interstellar, okay? And I've never had more deep conversations with people about the quantum physics of Interstellar and Christians, and, and they were researching all of this stuff, and it was like this amazing like little, little world that occurred about this dumb movie, all right? But it's that idea of we, we can kind of forget that, wow, this is maybe a little too important. Maybe I'm spending a little too much time. Maybe I'm too, too like, into this yeah. right now. It can, you know, forgive me before I say this, it can be college athletics. Yeah. Okay, and, and, and I love college athletics. I used to work in college athletics. I mean, I love, but you want to know what? It can fill us up to the point where we're like, hold on a minute, like, God is wanting to fill us deeply with his spirit and, and, and with this understanding. It's so funny that Paul writes, he wants us to know the love that surpasses all knowledge. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> I want you to know this. You're like, whoa, how do we do that? God can do that. All right. And so it's this idea of reacquainting ourselves and remembering um, what it means to be poor in spirit, to be in poverty of spirit. It can even be, we talked about entertainment, we talked about filling, but it also can be, this is what happens with me, I think, is the cup, the glass starts getting full of things like, I, I wonder what people think of me. Yeah. Have you ever been so full of that that all of a sudden it's like it's, it's, it, 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 it paralyzes you almost? Yeah. Because you've been so full of that. Because God is going, hold on a minute. Dude, less of you, more of me. Yeah. All right, let's get the, the, the more of me that gets in there, the more I become like anxious and insecure. 
right? I become like, oh man, I'm looking around and you're always like hypersensitive to everything. Am I oversharing right there? Is that anything you relate to? All right, of thinking, like it can be these things, okay? And remembering, wow, hold on. Jesus put a premium on being poor in spirit. Like he said, blessed, blessed, not just happy, but fulfilled. Like deeply when we're poor in spirit. Where's a great verse that explains this? Let's look at Revelation 3. Go ahead and turn over to Revelation 3. Revelation 3 This is one of those, when you hear poor in spirit, it's nice to have another verse that you can go to that say, okay, I understand that. All right, poor in spirit can be sometimes just nebulous. It's just hard to grasp completely. Uh, Revelation 3, 16, super familiar verse right here. Um, So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. Uh, you say I've acquired wealth. You say I don't need anything. But you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see And to me, that's the go-to verse. It's like, wow, I don't say that like I've acquired these things, but I live that way, right? And it's clearly shown like in my prayer life. It's clearly shown when I'm not praying or if I'm just praying very superficially or I'm just going through the motions and my heart isn't like in it. But remember, in the book of Ephesians, Paul has spent a lot of time like engaging our heart. Right. And he's saying, guys, we need deep disciples that that, that their heart is all in to this right here. Revelation 316. Some of you guys who are in the Scott's family group, you memorize Romans chapter 12. Okay, in the 21 days you memorize that. And there's like a real critical verse in verse three of Romans 12. It says, don't do what? Okay, Paul's writing to the Romans. He says, don't. Don't think of yourself. That's another one. It's like Revelation 3.16, Romans 12.3. Don't think, wow. You know, I think that's the easiest thing for me to do is to think more highly of myself. Right? Isn't it? It's way easy to give ourselves a break and then to really hold it, like, you know, just hold grudges against people. Yeah. Right? Don't. That, that's Paul writing. Don't think. Empty yourselves right here, okay? What happens here? Um, we get the attitude, like I remember as a, as a young Christian thinking, I don't get any of this. I don't mean the Bible. I just mean like everywhere I went was like something brand new. And you're just like, wow, I'm, I'm uncomfortable, but like your growth, like you're growing like crazy, but you're so uncomfortable everywhere, all right? And I remember hearing a sermon one time and they were talking about going to a conference, and they were like, you're really going to love conferences when you go there and you just, like, know everyone. And I thought, that's what I'm shooting for. Like, I, no one wants to go to a conference and be all standalone and all that kind of stuff, right? And, and, and that became, like, my aim. And I think we do that in Christianity where it's like, okay, I want to get past the awkward stage and get to the stage where people think I got this. 
Like, I want to walk around and people go, man, you've got that. And you want to know when they do that? You know when people think I got it more than any time is when I can give you some kind of intellectual thing. Like, if I can, like, tell you something about the Greek, if I can go into something, you're like, whoa, he's got this, okay? Except God is, like, chuckling. <laughs> like, ha, <laughs> you think he's got it? All right? And there's something that is so healthy in my mind, and I think in our minds, too, is we've got to remember our goal isn't to be like, I got this, yeah. right? Because it doesn't matter where we get, we don't got this yet, Amen. all right? Jesus does. That's so important, but when I'm not poor in spirit, I'm like, no, I got this. And then when something doesn't go wrong, what happens? Like, I just get a bad attitude. It's, I get angry and frustrated because it's not going the way I thought, and, and I'm awesome. And I'm not poor in spirit any longer, okay? And that's the point of this. If we're going to get deeper, if we're going to really figure this out, where Paul is teaching us, like, guys, man, I want you established, rooted, knowing the surpassing greatness that is Jesus, how high and wide and deep this love is. In order for us to do it, it's got to start like, okay, I need some more poor in spirit. Like I need, I need to become empty of everything that's not God. Amen. Right? A.W. Tozer is a cool quote. The way to deeper knowledge of God is through the lonely valleys of soul poverty and abnegation of all things. You can look that up on dictionary.com later. Okay, you're going, hold on. I don't know what abnegation is, but I think it was in, you know, the Hunger Games or something, okay? <laughs> Mockingbird, Mockingjay, whatever that movie was. <laughs> We're going to clean that up on the... Uh, <laughs> Divergent, there you go, I'm cool. All right, the, the blessed ones who possess the kingdom are they who have repudiated every external thing and have rooted from their hearts all sense of possessing. Right? We talked about this the other day. Is oftentimes our nature is transactional. Like, what can I get from you? Like, what can I get from school? What can I get from people? What can I get from this relationship? What can I get? And he says, poor in spirit is... We lose the sense of possessing. These are the poor in spirit. And here's the other thing. As I was reading this, I thought, you know, it's so funny. Um, the way Paul writes, uh, Paul is in awe of God. Oh, yeah. Amen. I, I, it's embarrassing sometimes even to sing some of the songs we sing because I think, I don't know if I'm there with what these words are actually saying. Yeah. And that's fine because, I mean, there's a maturing, okay? I mean, what's bad is if you stay in the same spot, okay? So don't get discouraged if you're like, yeah, me neither. I'm not going to sing at all. No, it's, it's we want to mature and we want to transform, okay? But, but the thing about it is, is, is there should be a thought like, wow, um, every day am I becoming more in awe of God? It's interesting, when we're in awe of something, it takes up all of our thought process. Like we're thinking about it all the time. You know, when you think of, if you've ever even taken time, I don't know if you're an outer space person, but you start thinking about like dimensions and time and stars and how far away they are, they are and how big they are, and you're like, whoa, this hurts my brain to think about this, okay? That's exactly where Paul wants us is, is that kind of awe as we're becoming poor in spirit, 
and we're letting God like fill us with what he wants to fill us with. And in fact, what might even be frustrating is sometimes we want to go and fill ourselves with what God's going to fill us with. Yeah. Like, I don't have time to just let this happen. I've got to like figure it out. I got to read like 10 books today and I got to go and hear these three sermons and I've got to, and, and I'm going to ultra fill me, you know, my heart up instead. Of, and God is going, I'll fill you up and, and, and you're going to stay close to me. But, but it's that idea of recapturing and letting him fill us, recapturing the awe of God. What's the thing that, that you are most in awe of when it comes to God? What, what is that? Thing. Yeah. Definitely galaxies and stars. I was looking yesterday online yeah. of like a whole list of just different uh, like galaxies or like of just pictures that NASA has taken and like how they were formed. A star blew up and everything around it was exploded. And that, that's right. the eye that you see in heaven. That right. Isn't that crazy? In awe of it. The, the power, the side, the magnitude mm-hmm. of our universe. The pillars of creation is just amazing. Amazing, 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 right? What, what else? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you sit when we, and that's part of recapturing the awe. It's a perfect segue, Joe. It's, it's reca- <laughs> recapturing the awe is over time, what I've learned as a disciple is over time, um, I tend to get worse at self-examination, like honest self-examination. You may not. I'm not saying that's something you have to have. I'm just saying, I think over time, as I esteem myself more, my self-examination becomes sloppy. I become less honest with myself and I become less like desirous of asking people to like, hey, what do you see in me? Like, how am I coming across? How is my, what do you see in my heart? You know, as I speak and all of these things, I become, over time, it seems to become a little bit less. All right. And it's funny how that works is most things that we think we're just going to let's not worry about it. Let's just they tend to get worse over time. Okay, like if you're thinking I'm going to lose some weight, but I'm not I'm just going to let time take its toll. (laughs) I'm going to lose weight, though. Chances are we do the opposite, though. Right. I mean, I mean, when it's just like, yeah, I'm going to lose weight. I'm not even going to think about it, though. It's okay. (laughs) All right. I mean, there's so many things, and, and, and it's this idea of if, if we're going to be transformed and grow, there's like this deliberate thought process we have to have, you know, of, of growth and deliberate uh, growth of, of just in awe of God, all right, is having some, some deliberateness towards this, right? Um, so anyway, you, we're thinking about this. Turn over to uh, Revelation chapter 2. Turn over to Revelation chapter 2. Um, but yeah, going back to what Joe was saying, um, that's something, if we want to recapture the awe of God, sorry about that voice thing, I'm, I swear I went through puberty in my 30s, <laughs> I'm okay now, um, we, there has to be an honest self-examination, and to be able to hear things from people honestly, um, in order for us to recapture, to even understand what Joe is saying, to to be in awe of God's love and the lavishing that he, that this love that he lavishes on us, we have to have a really good idea of who we are, mm-hmm. right? And that should be awe-inspiring, right? Unfortunately, the Ephesian church, it seems like over time, um, lost something, okay? And we read about it in Revelation chapter 2, 
Um, and this was written, you know, there's a lot of people say different things, but probably 15, 20, 25 years later after the book of Ephesians was written, uh, we have this. We have uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And in verse 4, uh, he writes, I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. This is the Ephesian church. All right, these are the, th- this, is, this is who Paul is writing to. This is as Paul is teaching them, guys, listen, connect your heart. Remember your love. Remember your first love. This is how you live in your first love. This is how, uh, and you understand adoption, you understand life, and you understand this depth and that you're rooted in this. And it seemed like the Ephesian church, maybe over time, didn't take this super seriously. And they stayed maybe a little shallow. Right? And they stayed a little empty. Yeah. And then you see here John writing, and God is telling him, hey, listen, guys, tell the Ephesian church they've forsaken their first love. That isn't anything any of us want to do. But that's another thing. When we don't think about it deliberately, that's what happens over time. That's what happens in our marriage over time. If we're not thinking about growing and maturing. In our spiritual life, if we're just going to go, oh, I'm going I'm to sit in church each Sunday and hope I mature, it really isn't going to happen. We'll go the opposite direction right here. So what do we do? The, the Bible, in about 40 different places, talks about the spiritual discipline of meditation. Famous one, Psalm 1, right? I meditate on your word day and night. All right, can you imagine that? Can you imagine? I meditate on your word. And he says the guy that does that is like what? Who's that guy like? Like a tree. It's like the coolest illustration. You're you're planted by by a stream of water, and you bear fruit in season, and you just have this beautiful tree that you're picturing. He said that's what it's like. In the Old Testament, we see the word meditate, Psalm 119, a number of different places of meditating on the word. In the New Testament, Jesus uses a different word. What Jesus says is this. Do you, are, are you familiar <laughs> with this story? When Jesus says, observe the flowers in the field. See how beautiful they are? See all of them there, and none of them make themselves beautiful. Yeah. But I make them beautiful. And Jesus says, observe that. That doesn't mean just like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That means, no, go sit in a field. Go sit in a field and just look at the flowers. And the flowers aren't worried about anything. And the flowers aren't worried about being beautiful. And God says, I made them beautiful. Observe the birds of the air. That's medit- meditate on nature. And think about me. And, he's, and then he brings it back to us. And he says, y'all are anxious. Yeah. <laughs> y'all worry. And I love you more than them. Like when you look at these beautiful birds and these beautiful flowers, and I do all of that, and I love you more. All right? The point of that isn't just to hear the story. The point of that is to go, hold on, I'm actually going to do that. Like I will meditate on nature. I will observe. I will take some time and just I hate to even bring this up because this is, 
I would love for every one of us, this is above and beyond. I know you're going, oh gosh, this is, you're asking too much now. Your quiet time right here, okay? Is set aside every day 30 minutes. No music, no background music, no Lord of the Rings music, no Harry Potter music, no, none of that Spotify that you're listening to that you think is going to like enhance your experience, okay? Every day, 30 minutes, and if you just took what we've been reading in Ephesians right here from verse 14 down to verse 21 with no words, and think, pray, read. Don't do a Bible study. Don't go like, oh, I'm going to, that word's over here, and I'm going to, and all this frantic flipping and all, no, 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 stay put. It's the hardest thing that you will do all week. It, it is hard, okay? One of my favorite things to do is when we go on retreats, oftentimes, we'll tell, if we take campus on a retreat, when we were down in Florida, we used to always say, we're going to take the first hour on Saturday, and you go into the woods for an hour. And we're going to give you a scripture. And all you can do is just meditate and pray. And it's so funny because when we were in South Florida, the kids were like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, you know, they, they're like, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> they're like, this is dumb, Mr. Keith. Why are we doing this? Okay, this is ridiculous. And it was like they were upset that there was going to be no noise. And it was so funny. At the end of the hour, they didn't want to stop. It happens every time. I'm not kidding you. Every time people come back. We had a brother in Tallahassee. He was gone for like, we thought we lost him in the woods. He was gone for so long. I'm like, when do we call Life Flight? Like, when do we get people in there? Um, and he was so just lost in this, okay? 30 minutes, but, but on a Saturday or a Sunday when you have a little more time, an hour. No sound. No music. Go sit somewhere. Go outside and do this. This is, that's something that God will give you that I can't give you and your friends can't give you and your, what you're going to listen to on the internet can't give us that. But it's going to fill us. All right? I, really want, I would love to hear what happens when every day you've added that in. And understand the first 15 or 20 minutes will be painful. The, the spoiled child in us will kick and scream. All right, and be like, no, there's nothing here. There's nothing to read. I've read this 10,000 times. It's not going to work. Keith is an idiot, you know, and, and all of these things, okay, and that may be true, right? <laughs> but that's beside the point, okay? But the point is, is, is 30 minutes, guys, that, that's really what we want to take from this, okay? Because you know what ends up happening? This is cool. I love Robbie Zacharias. He said, wonder or awe is that possession of the mind that enchants the emotion while never surrendering reason, right? It isn't this emotion that just makes us follow everything. But have you ever thought to have your emotions enchanted? That's what Paul did in the first three chapters. Mm -hmm. Paul's emotions are enchanted with God. And when we don't do this, you know what ends up happening? These three things become clear in our spiritual lives. Yeah. We become frustrated, strategic, and anxious. Like a fr have you ever been there? You're frustrated with everything. <laughs> everything frustrates you. 
things are, you're not happy in your spiritual life, so the best thing to do is come up with a strategy, right? <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to go out and do these five things and these six things and these seven things and these eight things, and it's all going to be better, all right? And the truth of the matter is, is strategic thinking is not deep thinking, okay? It, all the books written in the whole world that aren't the Bible, like, it's so funny. I go to the bookstore to buy, like, a Christian book. Almost all of them are about strategy, all right? Every one of them. I mean, there's 75 books on how to grow your church. I'm like, I think Paul summed it up in three verses. <laughs> For real. I mean, we spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time reading these things about strategy. When I'm empty and shallow, I'm frustrated, strategic, and anxious. Yeah. All right? The deeper the roots go, the more I'm like, deep breath. It is okay. Circumstances will happen, but God is awesome. Like, I love him. I want to please him. I'm going to talk more. I'm going to share more. I'm going to love more. It's this beautiful way that God is building the church. Again, this is the need for our day. This is the need for our day. Here's how I want us to finish this up, okay? I want you to go in Ephesians chapter 3, and I want you to read and just think. Take about a minute here. The last two verses, verse 20 and 21, okay? I just want you to read those to yourself. Just get in and and. See the riches of these last couple of verses here. And then we're going to close this out in prayer, okay?